listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. Good evening. This is Shereen Rice with Making a Difference About Domestic Violence. My goal for this show is to educate and help in the healing journey for those that are suffering from domestic abuse. If you'd like to call in, please call 917-889-8078. We'd be more than happy to talk to you tonight. If you're listening tonight and would like to get in touch with me uh, without calling, you can email me at shereencwr at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would like to remind everyone that our show is every Thursday night now at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 Mountain, 8 p.m. Central. So uh, join us every Thursday night. My show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. If you want direct links to those services, you may go to the CWR homepage on the website, cwrtalknetwork.com, and click on the logo for that service. If at any time you experience a trigger by this topic, please call the national hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Now, my topic tonight is going to be a little bit um, scary, um, so some of you might want to call that national hotline. I want to introduce to you uh, or tell you a little bit about the person. You know what? Uh, Hold on. We're going to go to a public service announcement. Be right back. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. Okay, first I'm going to tell you a little bit about my guest. Rachel is someone I've known for about four and a half years, almost five now. We work on our PhDs together, and we are the dearest of friends. She's working on a performance psychology PhD, which is a little different from my PhD. We have laughed and cried together and laughed and cried and laughed and cried and laughed and cried and lots of crying and lots of laughing, too, though. She she was born and raised in New York, studied in Jerusalem. She received her BS from... University of Alabama in the restaurant and hospitality. She struggled with drugs for three years, um, and with help from family, she has been clean for 28 years. She worked as a food service director. What? 29 now. Oh, yeah, this is last year's. Okay, hold on, let me change that. 29 now, (laughs) almost 30. She worked as a food service director in many locations for several years. The opportunity came up to work as an, a substance abuse counselor. She then certified justice uh, addictions professional. 
uh, when she decided to return back to college where she received her master's in addictions counseling at Grand Canyon University. She then received her certification in clinical trauma and clinical abuse and licensed chemical dependency counselor. She has been married for now 24 years and has a 22-year-old son. (laughs) I'm revamping as I go along. Um, she now lives on a ranch in Texas by Hondo, Texas with two dogs and lots of cats and cattle and one horse. Is that correct? Or did you add? Um, well, actually I'm not in Hondo anymore. I'm in Fredericksburg, which is absolutely beautiful. It's a tourist town, but, um, Admiral Chester Nimitz is from here. So they have a bunch of stuff about the war of the Pacific here. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you're you're not keeping me up on when you move. Sorry, when I change jobs, I move. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. Uh, she's an expert in so many things. Um, she is our group's go-to gal, and please get us off the wall type of a gal. I'm like, I'm on the wall. I'm going to jump. I can't deal with this anymore. And she's like, Okay, Talk hold on. <laughs> You're the best, Rachel. I can't tell you enough. But anyway, so uh, she moved to Fredericksburg, and she has – do you still have the horse? No, unfortunately. We we had to put our last horse to sleep. He he blew out his hip. Oh. So – and he was in pain, and it would not have been a good thing to keep him going. That wouldn't. Okay, and tonight um, I've I've asked her to speak on sexual assault, trauma, and healing. So we're going to be discussing that topic. So once again, I'm going to give you the national hotline because this may be triggering. So that's 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. And I don't want anyone triggered for sure. So um, if you'd like to call and talk to our guests, please call in at 917 917- Eight eight nine eight zero seven eight. So the first thing, Rach, that I want you to tell us about is your new job and where you work. Um, I'm excited about it, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, everybody. I work at a place called Hill Country Crisis Council. It is based in Kerrville, Texas, and it has uh, it serves five counties. It serves Kerr. Kendall, Bandera, Gillespie. Ingram. Mm, no, Ingram is one of the ones that we're right on the border with. Hold on a second. Um, and what we do is um, we... Are, we do forensic interviewing with uh, Bandera, Gillespie, Kirk, Kimball County. I'm sorry. Um, we do, if there's been an outcry from a child, they will do a forensic interview. And we are a nonprofit, so everything that we do is free. We provide all our services for free to people in need. So we work with children's advocacy councils. We also work with law enforcement. Um, We deal with domestic abuse, sexual abuse, um, 
all age ranges, genders. Um, you know, if there's a need, if someone needs counseling for domestic or sexual abuse, all they have to do is call. We have a 24-hour hotline, and all they have to do is call, and they can be gotten in. We also have a really strong advocacy. So if somebody goes to law enforcement and says, this has happened, they will go to the hospital in Kerrville, and they will get um, a SANE exam. That stands for Sexual Abuse Nurse Examiner. These, these nurses are trained specifically on how to handle someone who has dealt with sexual abuse. Um, and from the time they go in, law enforcement is notified. They notify us, and an advocate will meet them at the hospital. And if, wow. they, choose, if they choose, they may have that advocate in the room with them throughout the entire exam, after the exam, forensic interview, all of it. Um, Hill Country Crisis Council also has a shelter in Kerrville. Um, we do counseling. And like I said, we do the advocacy, um, help with um, victims of crime assistance for adults and children. Uh. Um, so any man, woman, child, if they have the need, we are there. We counsel confidentially. Um, it's, it's just an amazing place for the really wonderful people that work there. I mean, they... They love what they do, and they love helping people. That's wonderful. So, and what was, what was the name again? It's Hill Country Crisis Council. And I actually know where Kerrville is because I've been there because my mom lived in Ingram. Okay. And if anyone listening does happen to be in the Hill Country and they are having an issue, the 24-hour hotline, is 830-257-2400 or toll-free 888-621-0047. Okay, and give us those numbers throughout the the discussion, okay, Rachel, because I want everyone to have those. Um, share with us some of the safety plans that you uh, help women with. Um, do you do safety planning before? Uh, anything comes up, do you have like educational type uh, safety planning or just after the event? If someone comes in and they say, I am thinking of leaving my abusive partner, um, we will help them to develop a safety plan. Um, it includes things like, you know, where I can go. Who can I contact if I need money? Um, if he cuts off the credit cards, what can I do? Phone numbers I need to have. Um, clothes. If I need to leave, you know, how can I be sure that 
he is not going to be able to find me. Right. Because that that's one of the big things. That's is, the biggest fear. Do they know where you are? Because if they know where you are, you know, you have to take those extra steps to be sure that you are safe. Yeah. You know, um, always a good idea to have law enforcement's number. Um, there's also a workforce safety plan you can do, which is if they come to my place of employment, where can we go? Who do I need to tell, you know, to be sure that nothing is going to happen to me while I'm at work? Um, right. You know, is there is there a lounge or a coffee room where I can go and shut and lock the door? Have I given a picture of this person to the people at the front desk? If I have security where I work, do they have a picture of them? Do they know who they are? You know, do they have a panic button they can push if they try to talk to them and say, you can't do this? And hey, can I, can I add something? Sure. I just learned this recently. 60% of all DV victims lose their job because of their perpetrator. Yes. And many times the perpetrator will also lose their job. Um, you know, there there are a lot of people that when their perpetrator comes in, to their place of work and causes the disruption. A lot of companies do say that's it. You can't have your job. But if you have somebody who's in law enforcement that is the alleged perpetrator, they will lose their job. And you know, if that's if that's the livelihood of everybody that that can create an issue also. I know of a lot of women that will financially, as part of their personal safety plan, as soon as they start thinking about it, they will get a savings account that the abuser does not know about. So that yeah, and that's the first thing I did. Because that way they can be sure that, okay, I do, you know, it might not be a lot of money, but it's my money, and yeah. I don't have to give it to them. Um, and then, you know, we even talk about for children, you know, school safety plans, you know, have the parents put in the, in the child's folder at school, this person, this person, and this person are allowed to pick them up. Anybody else, you will call me or email me or text message me. It's not like, you know, back when I was a kid when you had to have the handwritten note. You know, now you can just pick up the cell phone and, you know, send a little text and they can say yes. But most schools now have it where the child, the person picking a child up from school has to be on that list or they cannot pick them up. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's an excellent safety plan 
if the child is a victim of sexual abuse or even if they they're a victim of physical abuse you know you don't want dad picking them up or mom picking them up and taking them to where they can beat them or do whatever to them right and the other thing you know always especially at the beginning always have someone with you always have a safe word you know so that somebody knows if you're fixing to decompensate if you're fixing to freak out you say that word and they're going to be there right there with you making sure that you're okay okay good and that's so, what's needed I wish we had them in all states actually I'm not sure what we have in St. George but I, w- I hope we have something of that nature so um, talk about hidden messages of children who have been perped on what are some of the, the behaviors or or hidden messages that we need to look for with kids, it can be really hard because they don't want to get mommy or daddy in trouble. Right. And they've been threatened. And a lot of the times, they have been threatened. You know, if you do this, they're going to send me to jail. They're going to send mommy to jail. You're never going to see us again. Right. Um, one of the things is... You know, obviously, if they stop talking, they stop eating, they're sleeping a lot, or they're not sleeping at all. Yeah. Um, You know, obvious behavior changes. If they usually talk and they just clam up and won't talk to anybody about anything. Um, If the way they dress changes. You know, if they're usually wearing the really comfortable clothes and all of a sudden they're they're wearing, you know, long sleeved shirts and long sleeved pants, you know, and long pants and, you know, or they don't want to be around anyone. You know, someone reaches out to, you know, maybe brush their hair and they shy away from it. Um, if they spend a lot of time in the restroom or no time in the restroom. You know, like they go in, they come really quick. Um, If they get really, really, really clingy, they will not leave somebody's side. Or they revert back to, for lack of a better term, baby talk. You know, or they start doing poorly in school. All this stuff is kind of a clue that maybe something happened. You know, and then there are the obvious signs. You see the kid with the black eye. Um, you know, that's kind of a clue, especially if they say, oh, no, you know, I'm just, I'm really clumsy. Um, you know, um, a friend, I had uh, a guy who had ch- uh, was perpetrated on child abuse when he was young. He said they wouldn't go to school or they wouldn't dress down for PE because um, of the bruises and stuff. Right. Exactly. Um, so look for that too. If they don't go
go to if they miss a lot of school or they won't dress down for PE. Why is that that they're not dressing down for PE? You know what I mean? Right. And one of the things I I just read this this morning. Um, in Japan, they have I think it's Japan. They have um, on the side of you know the bus kiosks. They'll have a picture of a kid, and it'll have some, you know, some slogan on it or something. But that's what the adult sees. When a kid looks at it from about four feet tall to about four and a half feet tall, they see a kid that has bruises and is just you know has obviously been abused and it says something to the effect of if this is happening to you don't be afraid call this number we're here to help yeah so, you know the parents think oh you know this is you know this is great this is you know nothing wrong with this and the kid sees you know, something totally different that lets them know that there are other people out there that do get hurt by yeah. people who are supposed to take care of them. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was a pretty amazing idea. That's a great idea. Um that was in Japan you say? I'm I'm pretty sure it was in Japan. Let me see if I can find it again. <laughs> But still, that's great. Um, even if it wasn't, um, they, we still need to, you know, change things around here for sure. We, yeah. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, it seems that America's a little backward thinking when it comes to abuse. And I thought they were a, uh, um, you know, a, really forward thinking but it seems like i know new zealand beats us out by a large margin sounds like some other countries might be doing the same okay um the group that does this is aid to children and adolescents at risk and it joined forces with the gray group spain it was in spain not japan sorry oh spain Um, okay and it, you know, like I said, it shows a a kid just standing there. And, but when the child sees it, they see, well, the adults have the message. Sometimes child abuse is only visible to the child suffering it. Uh-huh. But the children see... If somebody hurts you, phone us and we'll help you, along with the yeah. phone number. Yeah. So, I mean, something like that would be, I think, really helpful because I think a lot of people are told don't don't talk about this. I I was looking right. at um, 106 songs about domestic violence. And child abuse. And my favorite song was on the list. And that is Luca by Suzanne Vega, which talks about 
how especially kids will say, you know, I'm clumsy, I walked into the door, you know, yeah, you thought you heard something, but you didn't. But, you know, I think so many times people are, you know, adults are afraid to make an outcry if it's not their child because they might worry that the child's going to be hurt more or that they're going to be injured because, you know, to, to quote um, one of my former clients at the prison, you don't stick your nose in where it doesn't belong. Right. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that because of that, you know, people end up getting hurt. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, let's talk about caregivers and parents and about believing their children, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I can't stress this enough. You need to believe your child. Um If a child is able to tell you that this person put their penis on their private place where they pee, um, or they touched me and this is how they touched me, um, You know, love is a great thing, but if your child is saying this, you need to get it checked out. Yeah. You know, this is, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is people worry about, you know, the shame attached to it. They worry about the guilt attached to it. I'm a bad parent because my child has been abused. Yeah. Um, no, you're not a bad parent. I mean, if if you're in a situation where you are regularly being abused and you're doing all you can to stay alive uh-huh. and, you know, you are trying to get yourself and your children out that's all that you can do. Right. And if, you know, one of the things I have to keep reiterating to people is that, you know, don't, don't let the other people, whoever they are, tell you what you know to be true. Okay. Right. If if you marry someone and things are great and wonderful and then 2 weeks after you get married they start shoving you around. There's a problem and it's not your fault. You did not make them do that. Domestic violence, sexual abuse, um, financial abuse, psychological abuse is not 
It has nothing to do with I love you, I'm trying to take care of you, you know, you're a danger to yourself, I'm doing this for your benefit. It has to do with them controlling you. Right. It, everything's power whether and control. Man, whether it's a man trying to control a woman, uh-huh. a woman trying to control a man because that happens a lot. In same-sex uh-huh. relationships, it happens. Where yes. one partner is overly controlling of the other partner. This is, right. you know, one one of the biggest things with women who suffer from sexual abuse is this is not love. This is control. This is a power thing. This has nothing to do with anything but controlling you and telling you what to do. Okay. And I I read an article and it said most people in situations like this, it takes them seven times before they get out. Seven yeah. times they leave yeah. the back. And yeah. it it's really sad to me that there are not shelters around that say, or, you know, for lack of a better term, a halfway house um, where they can go and stay with their kids and their pets if they won't leave without their pets because they know the person will kill them. Yeah. There need to be more of those types of places where people can go where they will be safe. Yeah. Where they will have that judgment of, what did you do wrong that you're having to leave this marriage? They did nothing wrong. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Nothing at all. Right. Um, so, and there's, there's also a place in Kerrville, um, and I don't remember the name of it offhand, but what they do is women who have been in – situations where they have been abused, they offer them, they twice a year, I think they said, they do trainings where they help them, you know, write resumes, go on job interviews, learn how to dress for the interview. They give them computer skills to help them learn what they can do so that they can support themselves. Yeah. Instead of feeling that powerlessness of I can't do anything to support myself, so I have to stay with this person. Right. Right. And um, and and they are constantly ridiculing women that way, that and belittling them that they can't do anything, they can't go anywhere, they can't support themselves. Right. <clears throat> but the fact is, these. I mean. These women are so resilient. They are so strong. Uh-huh. I mean, to leave somebody that for years has been telling you basically you're nothing. Right. You know, meeting you or using you as just a, you know, outlet for their sexual needs. 
to be able to walk away from that as right. scary as it is, maybe with no resources, is right. I mean, well, and can I can I add to that? Um, recently, I had someone uh, yesterday just start to judge me on leaving my children's father because uh, I didn't discuss the abuse. I, I didn't even really understand abuse at that time. I just knew that mm-hmm. there was nothing left and I was tired of being demeaned and Are you there? My my computer for some reason shuts down sometimes. But anyway, so uh just uh you know it was um it was horrible. Uh, she didn't understand, and she goes, you know, your children didn't want you to leave. Why did you leave? And and everything. And I'm like, um, well, there's a lot I never told you because there is a lot I never told her. And sometimes you just have to trust someone's right. what they're doing, you know, and not make up in your head what you think that they're doing. Um, just no judgment. Right, and and that's. You know, that's the thing about domestic violence, sexual abuse, financial abuse, psychological abuse. We are not, it is not up to us as a person to judge anybody else. Okay. That's none of our job. Right. And unfortunately, you know, I, I was talking, I've talked to quite a few people about this. In so many areas of the United States, women are taught not to be friends with other women, but to see them as competition, which is really unhealthy for women. Because when something happens, like, you know, in your case, your husband was abusing you, but you couldn't tell anybody because, you know, maybe they wouldn't believe you. Maybe they would say, oh, well, you're just... And, you know, you what it was was I just didn't feel that anyone outside the family should ever um, be involved in anything. I, I just felt that, that everything was always a family issue. But the and that's why I didn't tell anyone. Unfortunately, sometimes the family is part of the problem. Because yeah. How, many, yeah. how many women have gotten married to somebody that their parents approved of, but was the person was just a horrible human being, but the parents never saw that side of them. Right. So, right. You know, in fact, or, they can turn the family sometimes. I've had that happen to some yeah. friends of mine. Uh, literally, and, they're like, why are you being so stupid and, and leaving him? He's so good to you. And, and they're like, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't know what happens, you know. Um, or they isolate. So, they totally isolate the person from their family. I mean, right. And and the thing is, there's there is still so much shame and such stigma associated with it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of women. You know, hopefully, this next generation coming up is not going to be this way. But there are so many women <clears throat> that think, well, if I don't have a man. I'm nothing. I mean, right. when 
first came to Texas and I got a job at a hospital. I was, I was 30 years old and I'd never been married and people wondered what was wrong with me. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not going to settle for less than, okay? I don't yeah. want to marry someone that I don't want to wake up next to for the rest of my life. Okay, that's not yeah. asking too much. And right. and it was, I mean, there were all sorts of rumors flying around about me because, I mean, my thing was I'm, I'm not going to marry someone that, I don't want to wake up next to you for the rest of my life. You right. know, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be peaches and cream all the time, but it means that this is someone that I want to be with, that I actually, that I genuinely like, not just love. And yeah. that's not the message that was sent out to a lot of people in my generation and your generation. It was, yeah. you have right. to have a man. And you do whatever they say because without a man, you're nothing. And right. my response to that is bullpucky. You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yep. Sorry for the little bullpucky. No, I think it's imperative because of the fact that sometimes we we think we need one and then we end up in a situation. Yeah, I think sometimes we settle. Yeah. Well, and we don't know really how someone was raised. I mean, and you can't say, well, you didn't know him long enough. I knew my ex-husband 38 years we, before I married him. We dated off and on throughout life. It was just mm-hmm. how it was. And I always felt safe with him. I I was always treated really well by him. And, um, and there was no red flags, none. Until you got married. Until the the day I got married, literally the day I got married. It was after the ink dried. And as you have learned, that is the MO. I mean Yes. That is the MO. Everything's great and wonderful until you get married, you sign the marriage license, you go off to your honeymoon. And whether it's the first night or the first week or the first month, you know, something happens that makes you think, uh-oh, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. And then if you did well, it you know, the week, it's it usually slow cooking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if, you know, I I know with drug addicts that a drug addict can, you know, someone that uses methamphetamine can go to a totally different state and go to a city there. And if there's someone that does meth there, they will just hone in on them. And I kind of wonder if there's not that kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, radar with domestic abuse that, you know, a pheromone or something that that we give off that <laughs> lets, an, yeah. lets an abuser know 
that, you know, oh, this is somebody that I can mold into what I want. Right. I can charm them into marrying me, and then I get to play my game again. Right. Because I think for some people it is a game. It is. I think it is. But, you know, I, I kind of wonder if there, you know, if if a woman, you know, sees a guy and realizes, oh, he's the kind of guy that I can, you know, they used to be called hand-pecked husbands. Yeah. Now, not hand-pecking, now, I mean, now it's verbal abuse and psychological abuse, you know. I, I'm wondering if, you know, she can't spot that kind of man or if the man can't spot the kind of woman that he wants to mold into, like I said, his play toy. Well, and you have to keep in mind also that um, abuse victims will sometimes use uh, abuse tactics to gain their control back. And like I said, like you said, the difference is, is an abuser wants control over a person and okay. the person wants their control back. That's the difference between everything. So right. some people say, well, then what, what's the difference? What, you know, well, number one, don't have, try to have control over somebody else. Right. And then you won't have someone trying to get the control back. Right. So when you say hand tech, sometimes, you know, um, victims will start, you know, saying things to them and um, just because they want their control back. Mm-hmm. And I think that once the victim realizes that they are, they'll you know, there, there's more than one option here. One is they just say, well, I'm just going to, you know, roll over and let this keep happening. But another one is right. just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take this anymore. It's like, um, well, uh, cool run, the movie Cool Runnings. Um, I know this is a very odd thing. But there's a scene where they are in Montreal and Junior Bevel's father comes up and he wants to take him back to Jamaica and he's calling him, you know, a spoiled little boy. And Junior finally stands up for himself, you know, and he says, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going back. I made a promise to my teammates yeah. that I was going to do this. And I am going to see this through. And at that point, he stopped being controlled by his father. Yeah, that's good. But it is, it's a little bit different, I think, in um, intimate situations. Because... Yeah. It's very different in intimate situations. Yeah, because a father-son situation and an intimate situation is is vastly different. You don't plan on living with your dad forever, but you do plan on living with your companion forever. Right, and I think this, one of the big differences is that when it is with somebody that, you know, 
you want to be your life partner. Yeah. The, I think the big fear is I'm damaged. There's something wrong with me. Will anybody ever love me? Will anyone love yeah. me again? And yeah, I mean, I I think that because of the way our society is, and because of certain values that people have, that's what comes about more. Is are am I lovable? Am I ever going to be loved again? And I think the the most important thing for women and men that are victims of domestic violence and sexual violence. Yeah. And, you know, even financial and emotional is loving themselves enough to take care of themselves and saying, I am not going to put up with this anymore. I mean, I I remember when I got clean, I broke up with the guy that I was going out with to get clean. And then Mm -hmm. right after... I got clean. I started dating an alcoholic because I was going to save him, mm-hmm. but, you know, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I remember, I remember when I broke up with him and he asked some question that I thought was really stupid, like, you know, why are you doing this? And I said, because if it's a choice between you or me, it's going to be me every time. It has yeah. to be, and yeah, and that's the thing that. And it took me a long time to get there, okay. But the person that's in a situation where they're being treated poorly, you know, we have to work on self-love. We have to work on taking right. care of ourselves. That self-care is so important. Meditating, you know. Going out for a walk, going in the mountain, um, yeah, sitting outside and drinking a cup of coffee in the morning, you know, whatever it is that you do to kind of get your mojo back, because right, you know, I, I I'm trying to get a sign made for where I work um, from. Pure Chaos Vote, which is Wisdom of the Fathers. And it says, Im anani mili, And what that means is if I am not my if I am not for myself, then who will be for me? Right. And what is I? And if not now, when? Right. And I mean I've always loved that and that fits in so well with the whole DV and sexual abuse and, you know, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, financial abuse. You know, the first thing we have to do is take care of us because if we don't take care of us, we can't take care of anybody else. Right. You know, why don't you um, define sexual abuse for my um, listeners? Sexual abuse is basically anytime somebody does something sexual that you don't want them to do. It can be 
a long kiss with their tongue shoved down your throat. It can be touching your breasts or your genitals or your rear end when Uh you do not want it. It can be forcing you to have sex with them, whether it is Uh oral sex, anal sex, or genital sex. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also if any time that you use power and control, you use sex and power and control, like um, if you, if they are um, punishing you because of whatever, whatever, and won't have sex with you because whatever punishment that they need to give you, that is also um, sexual abuse because you're using sex to abuse. Right. Saying, you know, um, you know, you stink in bed. Yeah. That's sexual abuse and psychological. And psychological too. That's bad. Um, you know, someone, for lack of a better term, pimping you out. Letting, you know, yes. letting their friends have relationships with you. Um, yes. Or having, demanding it. Having sexual relationships in front of your children. Wow. Inappropriate touching of a child is sexual abuse. Yes. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, people tend to think sexual abuse involves penetration. It does not. It does not. You know, a, a man kissing his daughter in an inappropriate way is sexual yeah. abuse. A person, you know, masturbating over a child. Pornography. Making someone watch pornography or taking yeah. pictures of is sexual abuse. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... And I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of children that are victims of sexual abuse that feel like it's their fault. Yeah. If they hadn't done this, mommy or daddy wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And what what is really scary is also the fact that there are a lot of people, you know, elderly people who have caregivers that are sexually abusing them. Yeah. And, you know, and just because they are elderly, you know, and it's a home care, you know, a a home health aide or somebody that comes in to the nursing home or the hospital to help, I mean, it's still abuse. Yeah. You know, it's one of these things. It has no age limit. Right. You know, there, there, there have been trials where the person was sentenced to prison forever uh, because they sexually abused a three-week-old baby. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that happened in Texas. Um. You know, it, and there have been cases 
you know, where they have people in nursing homes that are in their 80s and 90s that are being sexually abused and, domestic, you know, being abused by a caregiver. They're slapping them around. They have bruises. It, you know, it, this is something that knows no age. Right. There's no age limit. There's no gender limit. There's no gender identity limit. I mean, it can happen to anybody, anywhere. Yeah, and, and statistics show it's one in five women and one in 71 men. Is that right? Something like that. I got that but off the sexual really, assault site. <laughs> what's really interesting is that most men, most young men, are abused when they're teenagers. Wow. A lot, a lot of girls that are sexually abused, it happens before puberty. And then it kind of dissipates for a while. And then, like, when they hit 17, it starts up again. Um, and a lot wow. of that is because of college and different things that happen there, leaving home for the first time. The thing, you know, if to everybody listening, if you all get nothing else out of this, this is not your fault, okay? There is no shame, okay? You all are stronger than you know because you are surviving you are living through this, and right. you are so strong, and you can you can get the help. And there are ways, you know. There are people out there. There's, you know, there's eight hundred number. If you need help, call that. There's no shame in that. Everybody well, needs help. Let me ask you this. Um, there's some women who didn't say anything right away, but are still suffering from PTSD because they didn't get the help that they needed uh, maybe a year or two ago. What's available for them? The same thing. It doesn't matter when it happened. That's great. I mean, you can... Okay, so... I've been clean for 29 years. I just hit my 29-year mark on May 9th. Yay! Yay! And one of the hallmarks of PTSD is having dreams of what happened. Re-experience. Right, right, right. Um, Right. And I've been clean 29 years. But I will still occasionally have that dream about using. Yeah. And still scares the ever-loving you-know-what out of me. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, this isn't something that just goes away if we ignore it, okay? If at any time you have had this happen, if at any time somebody has forced sex on you, if at any time somebody has beaten you, you know, call the 800 number. If if you're in the Hill Country, call Hill Country Crisis Council, 
Okay, numbers 830-257-2400 or 1-888-621-0047. Okay, if, if this is going on, take care of yourself. Yes. Work through this. You know, you are amazingly strong and powerful people. You just might not have had anybody tell you that. So if nothing else, like like I would tell my clients with substance abuse, you know, you might not have faith in you, but I have faith in you. If you want to get over this, when you want to get over this, make that phone call. Get in touch with somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. find off again and become the best you you can be because you're there and you're strong and you're incredible and you're amazing and don't let anybody tell you differently right you know don't do it yes I'm on my soapbox again (laughs) and I appreciate that (laughs) you're doing a great job um before we end this, is there anything um, that you, any last uh, comments you want to make? Um, just first off, thank you for having me on this show again. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on getting that message out there because hopefully one day there will not be people suffering from this they will not be so scared and so ashamed to say this happened to me and they'll talk and you know remember there i know that in this country a lot of times women are told don't be friends with other women but you know what you would be amazed that about what happens to most women and then You'd be amazed what would happen if you talked to somebody to find out, you know, that this person that you thought was so incredible and put together and did everything right, that they are just kind of that um, sniveling mass of uncertainty. But they never show that. They only show how, you know, they keep that all covered up. But we all have that. So, you know, let's be kinder and gentler with each other. And let's talk to each other. Yeah. And let's yeah. stop this epidemic. Yep. Well, I so appreciate you coming on, Rachel. I know it was a last minute thing because I had someone else uh, scheduled and I was talking to you last night. And I'm like, oh, no, can you come on tonight, tomorrow night? And you're like, oh, yeah, I can. So it was great. <laughs> and, you know, sexual assault is such an important aspect of domestic violence. It's one that's there's a lot of shame involved in that. And so women don't even like to talk about it because of the shame. And it's just, it's just probably one of the hardest things. Um, When I talk to women, they have to, uh, when I'm trying to life coach, they have to feel real comfortable with me before they'll share anything of that nature. And I just feel so bad. And I just feel so bad. But the thing is, maybe, maybe by talking about this tonight, maybe 
later this evening or tomorrow or at some time this weekend, somebody will start a dialogue with somebody else and the healing will start. Right. Be amazing and wonderful and empowering for everyone that does that. Right. Right. How difficult. It's very, very difficult. Okay, Chris, thanks for coming on. I so appreciate you. I love you. You know that. And um, we will be right back from a public service announcement. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with your host, Shereen Rice, on the CWR Talk Network. I want to thank uh, Rachel for coming on my show tonight and helping us understand more about sexual abuse. I know we got off topic a few times, but you know what? Um, It was meant to be for someone, that's for sure. That's how I feel. If at any time that we start talking about something a little bit um, off the topic, I feel that there's someone out there that needs to hear that, and I hope that they do. Um, I I want to remind everyone about the Domestic Violence Conference uh, in Southern Utah, June 7th and 8th on uh, June 7, 2019 in Ivins, Utah, actually at Tuacon. Uh, for more information, go to S-A-V as in Victor, V as in Victor, E dot org. So S-A-V-V-E dot org for more information. I want to thank my listeners tonight for listening and learning more about uh, maybe themselves or maybe others and how they can help uh, in their own recovery or the recovery of others uh, in sexual assault in this case. Uh, We will get together next week at 6 p.m. Pacific to learn more about domestic violence and abuse. Um, My person that will be on next week is Chris Barilla, and he will be talking about his company and how he helps children gain self-esteem and empowerment um, uh, through uh, his company for what he does. And, um, and and children that come from abusive homes, not just um, children that are currently abused, but people that come from maybe even just divorced homes, something like that. That is very traumatic for children. Anyway, I would like, uh, this is Shireen. I'd like you to stay safe and have a great week. Good night.